0: At the end of the day, the big question for you is, can this agency be salvaged, Congressman? Can can we even keep the FBI if they just say to Congress, we don't care about your oversight powers?
1: There are far too many people at the FBI and within the national security apparatus who believe that they ought to make the decisions regardless of who the people elect, and that members of Congress are just like sand passing through the hourglass And they really are the permanent existence of the government. And that's very dangerous to our republic and to our rights. We have already exposed in this Congress that the CIA was operating as an election interference organization. While all these CIA officials were telling us that the Hunter Biden laptop was a Russian information operation, the CIA itself was running a domestic information operation to interfere with the election. And what was so devious about it, when former CIA officials wouldn't sign that letter saying that the Hunter Biden laptop was Russian disinformation, people in the CIA used leverage points and pressure points to try to get their former employees to toe the line and to continue to push this false narrative. So that is the work we are uncovering. And I've long said we have to use the power of the subpoena and the power of the purse, but I now believe we have to use the power of contempt. Jamie Comer, you mentioned him. He is hot on the trail right now regarding specific payments that may have been made to and through the Biden family in August of 2020. And so he's asked the FBI, give us all these specific reports that just say Biden during that month. And you know what the FBI's response was? That it was overly broad and the responsive documents might be too voluminous. One month for just the Biden name in the summer of 2020. That that is how extensive the documentation is on the web of financial corruption around the Biden crime family.
2: Welcome back to the Rob Miner show here on the Red Voice Media Network, folks, the newest network that's bringing you the facts and the truth, and that's all we're giving you because it's up to you to make the decisions based on what you know to be the truth and the facts. Well, it's Whistleblower Wednesday again, and we're talking about the corrupted and dangerous FBI. We now know about the FBI's targeting parents protesting at school board meetings, about sexual misconduct by senior FBI management, abuses of the FBI's 702 FISA authority, the FBI director's misuse of an FBI private jet, Uh, an intelligence product that named most veterans, like yours truly and my guest today, as potential militia violent extremists. Documents showing the FBI was participating in election interference under the guise of policing misinformation and the FBI's targeting of radical traditionalist Catholics thanks to just one whistleblower. And now FBI Director Ray refuses to provide a document subpoenaed by Congress willfully disobeying the people's representatives. Well, citizens, I once believed this type of corruption could be addressed, but no more. It's time to defund this agency, save the needed parts, such as the crime lab, uh, if it is still needed, and destroy the rest as it is opposing us, which means it is opposing the United States of America. Well, my guest today is Kyle Serafin, a FBI whistleblower, uh, very famous now, I'll say it. Uh, I don't know if I'll embarrass him when he, when he comes on, but he's not just a former FBI agent, folks. He's an he's a Air Force veteran, a combat controller, one of the best that the Air Force has ever seen. And he sacrificed for this country and became an FBI agent, and he continues to sacrifice for our country. Kyle Serafin, welcome to The Rob Mana Show, sir.
3: Hey, Colonel. Thanks for having me on. I better be very, very accurate. I went through a lot of combat control training. I went through a lot of pararescue training. I didn't put on either one of those hats, so I want to be specific with your audience and, and keep it on the, on the level there.
2: Well, that's good. Uh, appreciate you being accurate about that, uh, but uh, that's quite an impressive uh, resume. Uh, And list of experiences, you know, Uh, uh, and uh, it doesn't really matter uh, what the outcomes were. I mean, I saw a distinguished graduate on this bio uh, and uh, haven't been in the Air Force for 30 plus years. I don't have distinguished graduate on any of my training records, uh, and I've done a lot of training, including EOD school, which I I still consider one of the most difficult things I've ever done in my life, (laughs) Uh, but uh, so I appreciate you, man go
3: ahead. I said same squadron. I came out of that three forty second out there on Medina.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, man, uh, you heard the intro and saw Gates's comments on the video. Uh, first of all, thank you so much for coming on. I know you're very busy. Uh, uh, uh Dan Bongino has blown you up, brother. <laughs> and, Perfect. Uh, you know, I mean, he, thank God he had you on his show because, uh, uh, when I look at this organization, the first thing I, I really want to give you a chance to talk about, uh, when I look at the organization, I, I go from a man who, who wants uh, trained FBI agents in bomb disposal techniques uh, as, as part of what I did in my job, uh, and, and, and a man who worked with the FBI as a wing commander— uh, on the Joint Terrorism Task Force uh, 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 through my security forces group out in Albuquerque and my security forces squadron uh, when I was vice commander in Omaha, Nebraska. Uh, so so never once did the thought cross my mind that something really nefarious was going on until the last, I don't know, five, ten years, uh, really since 2015 uh, is, is what, what opened my eyes. And, uh... I retired in late 2011 from the Air Force, uh, but, uh, but really w- was oblivious to all this stuff going on. It, it just doesn't look like this organization is, A, uh, worth keeping, or B, uh, doing what it's supposed to do. And all government U.S. government organizations are, are created for one thing, to protect us. I use the word liberty a lot because that's the purpose of the U.S. government. Is to protect our liberty uh, they're working at odds with us from what I can tell I mean and you've been on the inside uh, for several yeah. years and obviously all that list of their of there came out of your bio uh, you know and that one whistleblower was able to give us all this information it's all been proven to be accurate
3: from well, what I could tell uh, yeah you're 100 percent correct I think your time assessment is accurate I think 2015 2016 which unfortunately for me was when I entered the agency so um, I only saw the decline and sort of the uh, the normality of the issues that we are all seeing at this point and and they were immediately apparent to me uh, I've got you know I came in at, at 35 almost 36 years old which is a little bit more seasoned than many of the people that joined the FBI Academy and uh, I very very little wool can be pulled over your eyes once you've kind of seen what the government looks like already and I, I had a little bit of experience I, I came into the Air Force at 27 so I came into that with open eyes as well so private uh, private sector experience was helpful for me walking in there and and knowing what looks right and lo- what what looks wrong but um, I'll, I'll share this with you and with your audience one of my uh, my buddies now and he's uh, also a whistleblower and his uh, video testimony was shared with Congress the other day. His name is George Hill and he's a retired, supervisory analyst from the FBI, Uh, also worked in the CIA, and he had 26 years of of honorable service with the Navy and the Marine Corps. And Mm -hmm. one of the things that he mentioned to me, and I think this will resonate with you, is that the United States government and even the United States people, we accepted a different definition of national security on September 12th of 2001. And I've never heard anyone else put it the way that he did. But what he said was, before that time, we all sort of signed up, we all agreed that the purpose of national security was to protect American liberty and what was to sustain the Constitution and our constitutional republic. And on September 12th, the definition changed dramatically to no American can die on U.S. soil at the hands of a terrorist. And once you accept one of these no-fail missions, tyranny is required. Now, in the military, we don't mind that because uh, having a tyrannical uh, commander and, and for a zero-fail mission, that is something that people sign up to and they accept. Uh, they accept to subjugate yeah. themselves. But we don't do that as citizens in this country, and there is no apparatus that can come up there and make the argument that you no longer can be free in the land of the free, where people have given their lives and men and women that we know have done that sort of thing. We cannot accept that as a definition of how you live your life simply because the national security definition have changed. So a really dangerous uh, change, but it didn't really steamroll until that 2015 mark. I think you're correct.
2: Yeah, and that's that's one of the reasons why I opposed the uh, Patriot Act uh, from the very beginning. Now, I was I have to be very transparent here. I was in the Pentagon on 9/11, working in the National Military Command Center and helped with the with the firefighting and casualty recovery uh, and those kind of things all day long uh, that day, and then was back at work on September 12th, uh, uh, trying to figure out who the heck these guys were, and and you know. Figure out what the plan. helped figure out what the plan was going to be to address it. Uh, so I wasn't really paying attention uh, uh, for several years after uh, 9/11. I was too busy, you know, doing stuff uh, uh, like like most of us uh, were then. Uh, but the Patriot has always had my attention. Uh, as uh, and I think that's what George was talking about. And we're talking about George Hill. I saw his, I saw the video part of his deposition that was showed. Uh, in, in the congressional hearing and I want to I want to get to the other guys here in a second uh, but uh, 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 but George is absolutely right that's exactly what happened I have not heard it put that way before uh, and I've struggled with this I've run for office and and run for office on the plank of, of repealing the Patriot Act because of what I have seen happen uh, with especially the surveillance of, of the American people uh, you know uh, uh, I was packing my bag on January 5th, uh, 2020, to go up to the Capitol because I'd been invited to come listen to the president speak on the ellipse. And my wife said, Rob, you're not going. I don't want you to go. And I listened to her. But had I not listened to her, my phone and my credit cards would have all been in these dragnets that have been illegally put out against every U.S. citizen uh, that was in that area. And uh, quite frankly, uh, I'm quite outspoken about, it, about the FBI now, Kyle, and about what's happening with the, uh, what I consider political prisoners uh, of these J6 guys. And I don't advocate for doing violence against the government or, or trying to overthrow the government in the United States. Uh, but I do advocate that I have a right to try to abolish this government and reinstitute another one, uh, because that's what the Declaration of Independence uh, documented for us. Uh, uh, those are two different things. But I'd be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if they were looking at me now uh, because of this act. Uh, and that is the key issue, I think, uh, uh, as to where all this power has come from. And, and senators and government officials like Rand Paul, uh, his dad, Ron Paul, all said this is very dangerous when we passed that Patriot Act. Uh, let's let's jump to that testimony just a little bit uh, before we go to the break. Uh, uh, the gentlemen, uh, uh, let me make sure I got their names right. Garrett O'Brien, is that right? Uh, O'Boyle. O'Boyle, I'm sorry. Yes. Uh, Marcus Allen uh, and yep. Steve Friend. Uh, I watched their testimony, uh, and uh, quite honestly— I apologize to them uh haven't been in this government for 32 and a half years of my life and, and uh, a servant of the people I watch servants of the people that day that are supposed to be elected servants of the people say and do things to those men that is just uh I I mean it's stuff like Soviet show trial type stuff
3: exactly. quite honestly yeah. star yeah. chamber stuff
2: yeah <laughs> it's, it's unbelievable and look look uh I know what those are. I've got a book on in this bookshelf over my shoulder here. It's uh, it's uh, called Operation Overflight, signed by a guy named Gary Powers. My dad knew him because they worked in the U-2 program together, uh, and, uh, uh, and and I know what a Soviet show trial looks like, uh, and and that is what happened in this committee in Congress. Uh, but you tweeted out some things yesterday. A, a picture. Talk about that real quick, because there's some good news in this, Americans. Americans heard this and saw that fiasco, but listen to the men's stories, uh, which are very credible, very credible in spite of all the attacks. Tell everybody what's going on with their status and and how they're doing, because they've all lost their jobs, and they have families to worry about, and we're worried about
3: it. Well, uh, Americans step up the way Americans always have. When there is a need, then they do the right thing. And when they have the opportunity to do it, then I think people overwhelmingly do. So we had a a couple of tweets that went out. We had a number of uh, larger accounts on Twitter share it. And uh, the end result was collecting over $550,000 for these two men, which is going to be a significant boon to them. In fact, it's enough of a cushion that these guys are going to be able to basically recoup the losses for the last year and year and a half, respectively, that they've gone without pay. And we're still going to be able to make a donation, probably to a charitable foundation to help other whistleblowers in the future. These guys are not greedy. They're not out there trying to profit. Nobody out there is looking for a Lamborghini. They're just looking to make sure that their kids have a coat in the winter and that they have uh, you know, that their house mortgage is, is paid in, in Marcus's case. So uh, just fantastic. Oh, well, over 10,000 donors came in and uh, a lot of them veterans, a lot of people who saw the wrongdoing, they saw right through the show trial, as you mentioned, and, they uh, stepped up with their pocketbooks, which is what uh, one of the one of the things that we can really do right now.
2: Yeah, uh, there are very few of those kind of things that I can afford to give to being on a fixed income myself as a military retiree, uh, uh, and uh, uh, and that's one uh, that is one of the three that I have given to, uh, and uh, I certainly am very grateful to all the Americans that have stepped up, man, because that's incredible. That's incredible. It's just been what a little bit over a week, I think, uh, not yep. very long. Uh, well, we we got to go to our first first break. Uh, uh, look forward to having you back. Uh, I want to dive into this uh, ability to, of of doing a digital drag net without a warrant uh, when we come back. Sounds good. Welcome back to the Rob Mana Show here on Red Voice Media Network, the newest uh, television streaming network that's going to bring you the facts and the truth. We're talking to recovering FBI agent uh, and uh, Air Force veteran, uh, amongst many other hats he's worn, uh, Kyle Serafin today. Uh, and Kyle, uh, when we bring you back in, uh, I'm going to show a short video clip uh, uh, to just nail in. Uh, in people's minds, what I'm talking about with this digital dragnet and how my wife was very correct uh, in making sure that I didn't go to the ellipse on January 6th, uh, uh, because it likely kept me out of uh, this. Uh, and uh, people like me that have a tendency to, to talk talk, uh, and speak the truth uh, have been not only arrested, but, I mean, we were seeing people convicted of, of seeing things like uh, seditious conspiracy for what they said, uh, and they happen to be in this circle, uh, this digital Uh, uh, dragnet. Krista, go ahead and play that clip.
4: And I think Americans need to hear it, because there are other glimpses of just how the victimization is going on and how it's victimization at scale. This is one fact that struck me. The Bank of America records, the story that Bank of America turned over, the credit card transactions, whether for an aircraft or a lodging or the purchase of a cup of coffee for everyone who decided to come to Washington, to be in Washington area, the Northern Virginia area. That's one of the things that you asked questions about. There are victims all over the place. All of the people who suffered when the FBI and the Department of Homeland Security got involved in censorship with social media platforms, millions and millions of tweets and narratives being taken down. That is victimization at scale. It must be resolved. And the fact that those who profess to be most concerned about victimization of people by law enforcement in this country join in the victimization of you, I think that's the takeaway, at least for me, from...
2: Man, Congressman Bishop, really, uh, the phrase he's using, victimization, uh, that, that is exactly what the founders designed the Constitution of the United States to try to prevent. You know, the Fourth Amendment, uh, unwarranted seizure uh, of your property, your papers. Uh, and folks, we live in a digital age. So, our, you know, our social media, our phones, they're our papers. Uh, uh, but what he's talking about is no warrant. Correct. What I said, a digital dragnet without a warrant. How did they get away? How did they ask for that? Actually, Kyle, do you know how that I, happens?
3: It's it's far worse than that. They didn't ask. Bank of America came and volunteered it. So, exactly. a bank that has a, a fiduciary duty and generally speaking, what we would see as a criminal agent working on criminal cases for the FBI. When you want something from a company, you can ask them, and they all politely decline. That's what they do. Their responsibility is to their customer base, to their investors. And they don't need criminal investigators poking around in their business without probable cause. They have to be able to generate, usually just a subpoena is enough to get bank records. Um, If you want to get a search warrant, there are certain uh, parameters where you may need something to that effect. It's a little bit more of a a heavier tool. But a uh, subpoena or a national security letter are the standard. Bank of America volunteered this information because they wanted to be of service to the government. And that should terrify everybody. This is not a common behavior this is not how companies behave in this country they have a general distrust of governments and regulation but what we've seen and i think the twitter files that people were able to to kind of take a glimpse behind the curtain in what we might call the information industrial complex these are Mm -hmm. all significant about the financial industrial complex is another one these are amounts of data and your personal behaviors that are indicated through these digital records and they are able to share them they are choosing to share them on their own volition. That is not a common thing that we've seen at any time in American history until just a few minutes ago. And it's really scary stuff.
2: Yeah, it's, it's shocking. Now, now we saw something to that effect, uh, actually, to the next level in, in Canada when the truckers were protesting. The, the trucker convoy uh, protested uh, where the banks actually shut their cards down voluntarily uh, uh, and they shut their accounts down voluntarily. Uh, And then the government started asking for it. But here in America, that's not normal behavior like you said. So what is a national security letter just for the folks out there uh, to understand what that means? You you mentioned a couple of tools like a subpoena, a warrant and a national security letter. What is the national security letter?
3: Most people are, are familiar with the criminal process. They know that we do search warrants, we do subpoenas. Those could go to a grand jury. We come and request information and the grand jury issues that subpoena on our behalf. Um, But many people are not familiar that the FBI has a second type of case that they they open and that they pursue. And those are national security cases. Now, these do not require a criminal predicate. They're actually the scariest ones. Those are the kinds that would be opened on you simply because you said the wrong thing. You've met the wrong people. I put wrong in air quotes. Right. But um, the national security letter is a secret subpoena. It's signed off on by the head of a division, usually your field office. And it allows you to get things like bank records or toll records or who you've been texting and all these types of things. You send them off. It's a it's this it's very similar, but it is it is never revealed to you that it was issued. And so NSLs are just kind of the same kind of a tool that you can parallel, you know, build a a uh, a case in the national security space.
2: Wow, that's that's uh, even more uh, damning, you know. Uh, So. You, as we talked about, the Bank of America did this voluntarily. Uh, what, what do you think about the FBI agents or the leadership, whoever took the call uh, and said, oh, yes, we'd love to have that? Uh, what are the rules around that type of exchange and, and in this outcome where, hey, we got all this data on, the Ameri- on Americans uh, that's their private data voluntarily from their provider?
3: So I had this conversation uh, with a couple of folks in the organization that is now sponsoring me, a group called Catholic Vote, and we were talking about uh, the deep state, we were talking about the way that the Bureau is stepping on First Amendment-protected liberties. And this is the same sort of uh, discussion about, you know, can you get government agents to do certain things? And if if the government cannot do it on its own, it can't pay an agent to do it either. And in the same way, the uh, you know, when we talk about these types of records— they can buy records that already exist. So I'm just gonna long form example if you don't mind, but let's say sure. that I want uh, someone to snoop on you and we couldn't, we couldn't legally ask them to do that sort of thing. We couldn't pay them to do it and I couldn't do it myself, whatever this type of thing was. Let's say a, uh, a microphone conversation without your knowledge. But somebody had already done it. We could pay for that. We can't ask them to do it, but if they knew that we wanted it and they went and got it, we could pay and have access to it. Particularly things like your cell phone ad data, things that might come out of your your bank transaction, so on. So if an aggregator had gone out there and they made it available to the commercial market, we could buy those things as well as a a government agency, which seems like semantics, and that's exactly what it is. What they're doing is they're doing and around. Now, you had people at the Washington field office that received this information because it was volunteered to them, and they can accept anything that's volunteered. If it was a criminal that had gone and stolen it, we could take it as evidence. Uh, They could give it to us, even if we couldn't have gone and gotten it ourselves in that way. So they didn't do anything wrong, but the question then becomes, are they complicit in doing something that is immoral? And I think there should be three standards mm. that we should have. It's not just if it's illegal. We should be asking, is it immoral and is it unethical? And right. those are pretty commonly understood in Western society, the way that we operate, particularly with our Bill of Rights. And so is it in the spirit of what our law enforcement is supposed to be doing? And the FBI took an ideological position that all the January 6th people were terrorists, and that they needed to be rounded up, and that's why they've gone after them the way they have. So to the credit of the Boston field office, which is where George Hill was working, Mm -hmm. they actually refused to open cases on these people based on that non-predicate, based on only bank information, based on this very thin veneer saying they were in the capital region and they bought a smoothie at Smoothie King. That's not enough to open an FBI case, and thankfully the people in Boston said no. They got pushback from the people in DC, which does kind of tell you where the rot starts and how bad it is there, And thankfully, there are people that are out in some of the field offices that have resisted a little bit, not as much as we'd like, uh, but they do have some resistance.
2: Yeah, I mean, I I hear people say all the time, well, I used to think there are good people in the FBI, you know, in the non-management, especially, you know, out in the field and all that. But I don't anymore. I I don't quite buy into that because you you see the people like George Hill uh, and you and he's talking about other people that he knows uh, that were actually taking the correct action. Uh, so there are some. Uh, there are some. Uh, and the reason why I did my intro the way I did with you is that you're just one whistleblower. We need more. We need more whistleblowers uh, well, that uh, well, love this country.
3: We, we do have more people behind me. There's obviously there's no way that I could have yeah. generated all the documents. Even after I got kicked right. out, I was forward but what the what the people that i have been working with and many of them are christians most of them in fact as far as i can tell uh, many of them chose to not receive the vaccine or they did get the vaccines for covid but they refused to attest to it because they believed that it wasn't the government's business and as you and i know there are very different rules and protocols when you sign up for the military you sign away certain yeah. you know, certain types of uh, authorities for your own body but when you are in civil service that is not the case and so there should be different roles and there should be different expectations. The people that have been feeding me information are almost exclusively what I'll just refer to broadly as unvaccinated Christians against COVID-19. And, and they saw that the government was willing to quash them over this small religious choice they had, and they did have a right to, to uh, request it under Title VII. If the government was willing to come after them, what else would they be able to do? And that's when they started unearthing a lot of this stuff. And seeing that I'd already been hit by lightning, you can only get hit by lightning so many times. So they just let me have it. Uh, I came out yeah. in the front and became the spike and, and sort of the, uh, the ground for them and a, and a mechanism and apparatus to bring this stuff to light. So we, you know, there are more than just me. I, I don't ever want anyone to think that it's just a solo thing. It's like so many things. It's a team gig.
2: Oh, absolutely. Uh, but it only took one to be able to bring it all out to light. You know, uh, can you go into any numbers? I mean, how how many people are we talking about? Uh, can you be general about it? But don't don't do it if you don't think you should. Uh, think it's good news. Same. So,
3: yeah, so the FBI has about thirty six thousand thirty seven thousand employees. Maybe it's a little bit like it's, it's right in that range. It's under 40. Yeah. And we saw that about 10 percent of them refused the, the covid shots. And, and like I said, they had significant religious qualms with it, let's say. And so. That group is about 3,000. I was able to contact about 10% of them and build a kind of an underground source network of people in every field office, in every division, at every type of job you can imagine, in all the different backgrounds. So it's roughly a 300-plus type person. Um, The people that are actively going out there and doing things, it's probably a little bit smaller than that. But there there are hundreds, easily hundreds, I would say comfortably, in, in the FBI that are good people that are doing the right thing and they wouldn't want me to forget about them they've they've let me know as much that when we're out there if we can let people know there are good human beings that doesn't mean that the entity should survive you know you can right. have a healthy hand and have a completely diseased body and i think that is the the, the argument i have unfortunately i'm arguing against my friend's jobs um but i i think well, that plenty of jobs in the government that could be re- resuited to their purposes
2: oh absolutely absolutely i mean i get it Look, I'm, I'm retired military myself. Uh, my paycheck is at stake if I make a mistake uh, uh, and, and do a violation that they decide they're going to come after me uh, uh, or even make up a violation. Look, I've been in politics. People will make stuff up about you uh, if it means they can take you down. So, I mean, that's just the way uh, it is in the 21st century America. So I said that we, in our monologue, before we go to the break here, as we start talking about the FBI and the organization itself, uh, I said, hey, you know, uh, if we can keep the good parts of it, like the crime lab, I think it's a, it's an important capability. Uh, I don't know enough to know whether it's the only capability like that across the country, or if any of the states have crime labs these days on that level. But, uh, but it's my opinion that we can't keep it. It's, it's too broken. It's too corrupted uh, uh and, and its parent the Department of Justice uh, has major problems uh on top of that uh, so uh when we come back from the break uh, let's talk about that and the non-durham report uh according to the government and its minions by the way
3: indeed it definitely did
0: Biden and his cronies have lost over $3 trillion of America's retirement savings in 2022 alone, with inflation running rampant and the stock market crashing. Do you have a plan to protect your wealth? Our friends at American Alternative Assets help you protect your retirement savings by rolling over your IRA or 401K into a gold IRA. Fact is, you can hold physical gold and silver in your retirement account while maintaining its tax-deferred status. Visit ProtectFromBiden.com today to get your free wealth protection guide. This guide will give you all the answers you need. American Alternative Assets is an A-plus and accredited member of the Better Business Bureau. Protect your savings now, before it's too late. Visit ProtectFromBiden.com Individual results may vary. There is no guarantee that past performance will be indicative of future results. people in law enforcement which matters so as for the Durham report 300 pages four years investigating the investigators one of the things that did come out of it was that procedures regular FBI procedures were ignored that steps were were missed along the way in this investigation in fact Director Ray said when the report came out yeah we acknowledged that a couple of years ago and we've changed all that those changes are already in place do you acknowledge perhaps that some mistakes were made along the way Oh, definitely. And they were found four years ago by the inspector general. So there's nothing new in this new document. What were some of those mistakes from your point of view? Oh, that the FBI didn't communicate clearly the status of certain sources. They didn't double check certain information before putting it in a court application for a foreign intelligence wiretap and a bunch of others. And so do you believe now, as these, some of these politicians call for defunding of the FBI, that that has been corrected and that now the procedures are in place to avoid those kind of mistakes in the future? I think so. But in complex investigations, there's always going to be mistakes. It doesn't mean the FBI is incompetent, honest, and independent.
3: So, Director, with some distance now from your time there with that investigation and everything that came into that 2016 election, are there things that you wish you had done differently? Oh, plenty. I mean, plenty of small things in the
0: main. I think the FBI did it in the right way during a very difficult time in 2016.
3: So the attacks have obviously been unrelenting from former President Trump, who is very much back on the political.
2: Welcome back to the Rob Manus Show on Red Voice Media. And we're talking with uh recovering FBI agent and uh, Air Force veteran uh, Kyle Serafin today. And uh, Kyle, uh, that guy right there is the reason I know for sure the FBI needs to be completely defunded and destroyed. Uh, I mean, that guy right there, what he just said to me, uh, that blows me away, man. Unbelievable that a senior leader in the United States government could just outright deny that his organization led a hoax like the Russia hoax uh, for years and completely disrupted an American president's administration and disrupted the execution of the laws in the executive branch of the government amongst a myriad of other things. Uh, Your thoughts?
3: Yeah, it's really, it's tough watching him. You know, he was the the one that handed me my creds and my credentials that uh, gave me my ability to do my job in in 2016. Uh, When I left the Bureau, I was walked out sort of unceremoniously. I'd had my badge taken off. I'd, I'd actually left it on my desk for months knowing they would come for it. And in April, it was actually April 18th of 2022, last year, almost uh, just over a year now, uh, they came in and they took my badge, they took my gun, they took all those things, they took my car and my body armor and all the things you'd expect that were part of my law enforcement gear. But uh, I left two personal items on my desk. I was telling the story last night on uh, Twitter space with 800 people listening. It's pretty funny to me. Uh, I had two personal items. One was a book that was called Compromised, and it said how money and politics have uh, corrupted the FBI. And then the second book, was a higher loyalty by James Comey, and so I left the two of those together as sort of a box set. I feel like they're good bookends. The, the the FBI is compromised. James Comey was compromised, and even those who listened to him early on. I mean, he talks a really good game, and the support employees loved him. Most people don't realize that there were, um, you know, mugs and there were T-shirts and hoodies that said Comey is my homie. I mean, he was he had a cult of the director built up in a big way, far mm-hmm. more than Ray in the, in in the Hoover Building and also in the support staff. But a lot of agents looked at him as slime when they started hearing that all the stories that he had, they were very narcissistic, and they were very much, they were canned. They were rehearsed. They were very slick, just like you saw him handle these two guys. He's a slick operator. I think he actually believes what he says, uh, but it's very difficult to to have someone not own the mea culpa there, which is to say, we lied in front of the FISA court. We didn't skip some procedures. They lied. And the correction was, guys like me had to go take extra PowerPoint presentation training. They didn't fix the problems. The problem is the type of people—and actually, Durham says that in the report—that if the FBI—it's not an issue of policy procedure. It's not an issue of guardrails. It's an issue of hiring people that understand that that oath is to the Constitution, and they have to be faithful and loyal to it, to the three sort of things the FBI purports to be, which is— uh, fidelity bravery and integrity if you hire people that don't have those things then you end up with the Peter Strux and the Annie McCabe's out there running roughshod over what should be um, you know would have otherwise been a very successful and more successful presidential uh, four years with uh, President Trump
2: oh yeah can you imagine I mean his policies the reason I'm supporting him now and I didn't support him in 2015 in the primary honestly but the reason I'm supporting Mr. Trump now is because the po- the few policies he was able to get implemented were out, I mean just stellarly successful. Uh, uh, I mean the the big one that pops out to me is the the climbing in wages for the black community in America. I mean the the Democrats' policies had destroyed the black family uh, for decades prior to Trump coming in, and then to see that happen. Uh, and you know you can't game those numbers. Those are that's just data that's collected over time. Uh, and, uh, uh, and you can't game that. Uh, when you see that kind of success in that environment, he, the guy deserves a second shot. But Comey, he deserves, in my opinion, to be indicted and put on trial uh, uh, for uh, leading this organization down a criminal path. I, I mean, seriously, Kyle, haven't they broken laws here to a much greater extent than somebody like, like these poor January six guys who— who, even the ones that broke a window, uh, you know, uh, even those guys, these the, these guys like Strzok and McCabe and Comey and everybody that supported them, they broke significant laws intended to protect the American people, didn't they?
3: Of course. Yeah. And so, you know, we don't condone violence against law enforcement. I'm sure we're in the same camp on that one. Nobody yeah. wants to see what's happening. And yet right. we saw with the FBI's prosecution and the way they went after President Trump. Uh once again, I didn't support him in, in 2016. I actually voted uh, Gary Johnson. I was kind of an independent. I was in Texas. It didn't really make a difference one way or another. But uh, <laughs> but he earned my vote in 2020. He really did. And, and yeah. a lot of the things, some of it was showing up at the pro-life march at uh, in 2019 and, and a number of other things. I wish he would have gotten rid of uh, Chris Ray at that time. But unfortunately, that was maybe that'll be the next step in there. Uh, <laughs> what, what we saw is that, you know, it, it's about uh, the great power, great responsibility type uh, comment. Yeah. The guys that were at the top of the FBI had a significant amount of public trust and they betrayed it. They betrayed it for their own personal needs, their own personal ends. Um, I know you served under different presidents. I did the same. I, I enlisted under Obama, who was not my favorite president. And it didn't matter. That wasn't what it was about. It was about the American people. And in theory, being in the FBI should not be about what political authority you care to have in charge. It should be about what is the right thing to do? Are you acting in a legal, a moral, and an ethical way that you can carry out those duties? And then, you know, if you happen to have to, you know, I know a lot of agents that had to investigate Republicans that were registered Republicans. That was a requirement because there was a credible yeah. allegation and you do it the right way. And you, you know, you, you dot the I's, you cross the T's and you make sure that you are correct. And if it, pans out that they have to be indicted then so be it and if it pans out that you close the investigation for lack of information that is also a reasonable outcome when you are putting your thumb or your forearm or leaning your whole body on the scale in the case of peter struck there's not a lot of weight there's not a lot of guy there but so be it um he yeah. he did that you know he weighed in on a on an election season but they also weighed in on the outcomes under what should be impartial justice and that is the big betrayal that we're seeing so Handcuffs, um, you know, at the very least, I'd love to see them not on television and being held up in a glorified way by the left because, you know, the the political left is really mistaken. They have a strange bedfellow. Mm -hmm. It's FBI right now. The FBI historically has done some atrocious things to the people on the left. They have violated civil liberties of communists. Um, You know, we don't have to like communists to know that they're allowed to be communists in this country. That's what the oath means. And so right. there are plenty of places where the FBI I mean the FBI tried to get Martin Luther King Jr to kill himself in the 70s and that should be abhorrent to anybody. This is the same FBI. It's the same, you know, it's the same rot that is going on in that higher upper echelon uh you know the corridors of the of the Hoover building. And it may have taken on different targets of opportunity, but that's not because it has some new, you know, ethical alignment with the political left other than they seem to sort of favor going after the right because that's what the funding is uh, there's still abuses against people on the political left and if they open their eyes up they would see them too
2: oh you're absolutely right man I mean and, and that's one of the things that I'm most concerned about and I talk about it too it's the it's the people on the left that are in power the ones that have political power right now that ought to be working the hardest to fix this and, and from what I could see the only fix is to to completely obliterate the organization and, uh, and keep what pieces of capability we need these days. Uh, uh, because let's face it, uh, uh, these guys uh, should, I think they ought to be in cuffs, perp walked, indicted, tried, kept in pretrial confinement in the same DC gulag that people uh, uh, that are being held in January 6th, because uh, they are a threat to this country. They are a threat to your freedom, uh, you know, and, uh, and, and to, to, to think about, uh, I have a picture on my wall of me and President Obama. You mentioned that uh, I served under several presidents. Uh, uh, he actually is the signature on my retirement document. Uh, and there's a, a only picture of me with a president. Uh, and I've been with several, but the only one of me with a president is, is with Obama when I was welcoming him to Kirtland Air Force Base. Uh, and I look at that picture not from a political perspective, But I realized that the sniper team that's up in the control tower, up on top of the control tower at the airfield that's covering us, was under my control, not the Secret Services. I mean, ultimately, they were under the Secret Services, but we had a sniper team there, one of the few Air Force sniper teams, and they were doing the covering while he was on the ramp uh, there. Uh, And I just wonder if in today's environment, whether I would be allowed as a commander uh, to be able to provide that service to the president of the United States, who happened to be a different political party from me,
3: yep. now nobody now it, knew
2: my party then, but right. but it's, they could find out.
3: They certainly uh, could, and they certainly you know have the ability to do that. And, and we are seeing more and more that those things are coming into play for promotions within the military. You know, we're seeing uh, guys being removed from their command for simply you know writing a book, for having. Uh, opinions that are mainstream American opinions from just a couple years ago, including when they commissioned, including when they took their oath of enlistment. Those would have been mainstream opinions, and the country has left those people behind. So, you know, we're seeing in a, in a big way that we are leaving behind the great war fighters, the people that actually have have made the United States that formidable power that it has always been. And you know, that that I would say continuity of value systems that exist in the military goes back far before World War One. And and it's always been there, and now suddenly it's called into question. The uh, just the the idea that you would think that America is a great place to live and that you'd be willing to die for it is now somehow going to be controversial for people that are signing up. It's very hard to recommend that to your children. I've got young children right now, and I, I very much hope that the world changes in a way that it is a a possibility to recommend. Because looking at what we're seeing with our service, it's not about the you know the the E ones and the E fours per se, but I see a lot of the leadership in the mid ranks the you know the the majors and and the lieutenant colonels, they are being swayed by political pressure because that's the only way they're going to promote. And, and, you know, people do things in their best interest, but it's not in the best interest of this country.
2: And, you know, in the military uh, commanders and senior NCOs, when they're put in, when they're the formal uh, commanders, uh, the the power you have is immense. Uh, So those people that are in the mid ranks are under incredible pressure to conform, uh, uh, to uh, support the team. Unfortunately, what they're being forced to conform to is destroying the team itself, you that's know, right. uh, with uh, this concept of, a, of white extremism and white privilege that's being taught and that the oppressed versus the oppressor thing. That's destroying the team. Well, we got to take our last break, but when I, when I come back, I want to talk a little bit more about this mass surveillance, but also I want to get into uh, uh, your Christianity uh, and this thing about Radical traditional Catholics. Look, I'm a Christian, uh, but I'm a Southern Baptist. Uh, but uh, but I live in Southeast uh, Louisiana and uh, and now in the coast of Mississippi. So I'm surrounded by Catholics, and my friends love me, and I learn a lot about it. But gosh, man, that blew me away. So I want to talk a little bit about that before we wrap this up. Let's go to that break, Kristin.
0: We love the internet, but the internet is tracking everything you do. Take control of your online privacy with IP Vanish. People with malicious intent are everywhere, watching you. Criminals can hack your Wi Fi, while broadband providers and advertisers monitor your data. With IP Vanish on your device, your internet activity is encrypted. No one can see what you're doing. Your location, your connection, completely hidden. Protect your internet privacy today with IP Vanish. times did the bureau improperly use this
5: john it's a big number at least 278000 times now, this came out in a court hearing that was a court document that was unsealed from April 2022 but it's part of that secretive uh, intelligence court called the FISA court so at least 278,000 times and this is all as uh, members of the intelligence community are essentially begging members of Congress to reauthorize the section 702 of the Foreign uh, Intelligence Surveillance Act known as FISA because it expires on December 31st uh, at the end of this This year the judge in this case the fisa judge said that there needed to be uh, changes as problems persist Uh, the tool is section 02 it gives the fbi the ability to digitally surveil as you say without a court order now we know the fbi used the tool on people connected to the civil unrest following the death of george floyd those involved in and around the capitol attack on january 6 in 2021 even political donors according to the court federal intelligence officials they are telling Congress to please re-up Section 702, all in the name of safety. Members of Congress, though, right now, clearly have the ball in their court with mixed opinions.
3: There have been dozens of reforms that have been made over the course of the last year or so to address those issues. Um, and again, they've been made by well-intentioned people who have been, in many cases, following procedures and protocols and policies that aren't necessarily appropriate. And I think we've buttoned those things up
5: well, her Democratic colleague Jerry Nadler on the uh, Judiciary Committee does not agree with that. He put out a scathing statement. He said, without significant changes to the law to prevent this abuse, I will oppose the reauthorization of this authority. Now, government data shows that uh, these FISA inquiries, these 702 inquiries, dropped 94% uh, 21, 2021 into 2022, but Republicans and Democrats coming together in a bipartisan way to really uh, say that they have a lot of concerns about this, because 200 uh, over 250 thousand times john
0: to a total of two hundred and seventy eight thousand times that's extraordinary do, do we know david do we know were, were there any occasions where parents who were involved in the?
2: well kyle i think that uh, that gets to that at scale uh, capability that uh, congressman bishop was pointing out in that first clip we saw early in the show uh, it's it's just absolutely stunning uh, and this gets back to not just the FISA Act, Foreign Intel Intelligence Surveillance Act, folks, but but also the Patriot Act that that continuously seems to strengthen this and get past the Congress. Uh, uh, and I think it also it also kind of really brings the point home what we were talking about in the last segment that the the left better get on it uh, because uh, and it looks like some of them are trying to you know starting to pay attention and. and at least say the right things. I don't know what they'll do. Uh, always look at what a politician does, not what they say, and you'll see where the truth lies there. But uh, uh, your thoughts on that before we get into that, I want to talk about uh, your faith and, and my faith, Christianity, and, and how that plays into this uh, after we talk about this. But gosh, man, the FISA thing, I've called for it to be disbanded and abolished. Uh, uh, but but it, as a tool to look outward, it seems to have been quite effective during the war on terror.
3: Yes and no. Um, I think people need to understand what 702 is. So, Colonel, if you give me just a bit of leash here, I'm going to kind of Go tell you ahead. First, what a weird world for us to uh, to be agreeing with Jerry Nadler on anything. Yeah. <laughs> but I do agree with him in this case. So 702-FISA is a targeting program that's run by the NSA that the FBI gets visibility to through a, a computer system called DWS. It's just a program that's on all the, the secret servers. And what it allows us to do is theoretically target non-U.S.-based foreign intelligence assets. So imagine a spy in country X that is not physically in our country. They have to be aligned with another country, and they cannot physically be within the boundaries of the U.S. The minute they land on, let's say, you know, Dulles Airport or LAX, then they actually become a U.S. person for the FISA's purposes, and they can no longer be collected on. And, and that's only marginally useful. I, I actually investigated Chinese spies in China. There's only so much you could do with them because they don't come here. And so we're looking for more people that are running domestic. But what also is grabbed is every single interaction on American wires. That's going to be all of our telco. That's going to be the phone calls. That's going to be our internet, our email traffic, and so on, especially the big American providers. And the most valuable thing for a criminal investigator who is working in the counterintelligence space is to find Americans who are in contact with said Chinese spy, with said spy from country X. And if that's what you're looking for, that is a thing known as reversed targeting. And that is expressly forbidden by federal law. And that is what you are looking at in those 278,000. A huge percentage of them are reverse targeting. I would give this analogy so people can understand it. It's very easy. And then they need to call their congresspeople and tell them not to authorize it. The using FISA 702 is a lot like looking at the TSA officer whose job it is to find weapons and make sure they don't get on an airplane and you have to send every single person, which is all of your emails and all your phone calls, through a metal detector. Mm-hmm. And then you tell that same TSA officer that under no circumstances are you to look for weapons using the metal detector. But it's gonna go off, it's there. It's gonna go off and sound that alarm. But you're not allowed to use that tool to find it. You gotta find it a different way. You tell me how that can be used legally. I don't see a way, I've never understood it, and I've worked with that tool. I spent two years working with it, and it was a problem for me then, the safeguards that are supposedly in place are not good. There is no way to train people to not do the thing that they're supposed to do, which is find spies and people that are betraying this country when they have a tool that violates everybody's civil liberties.
2: Now, you touched on this, I think, uh, but let me make sure I'm right, I, my thinking is right on this, the, the, the term masking and unmasking. Uh, yep. came up in the Flynn uh, investigation when when he was un, unfairly targeted, in my opinion. That's my opinion, uh, okay. by the FBI uh, and the NSA and those kind of things. And uh, 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 is that part of this process, the masking of Americans that get their stuff gets picked up in this vacuum cleaner is the way I see it? This vacuum yes. system is supposed to be masked if they're American, right?
3: Well, when it comes in, it comes in raw, like all FISA, like wow. raw all raw intelligence. So it comes into a guy like me. I'm looking at the actual email address and the people that it's associated with, and I know exactly, you know, who you are when it happens. If I'm going to do analysis and we're going to set it up the chain to anybody else to look at, then it gets mm-hmm. masked, called U.S. person one, U.S. person two, you know, subject one, subject two of investigations, and so on. Okay. So then it's masked, and then they can, you know, mask or unmask it at the later level. But all FISA starts off in a raw format. There's no AI that's going and covering up these names. It's just, it's just information. It doesn't have any meaning one way or another until we do analysis on it. So that is a misnomer. People think that it's coming in and it's disguised. It's not disguised. I read people's emails. I used to sit in an email box and just read everybody's email. A lot of them were in Chinese. So it was very not uh, interesting to me. I was you know struggling with our version of Google Translate, which wasn't very good. But it's, it's very, yeah. very transparent to those who are working. it. And once you know that stuff, you can't unknow it. You're not going to unknow that person's name.
2: You can't you can't unsee something that you saw. Uh, you right. cannot unsee it. I mean, it's just uh, the, that's why I asked that question because I think a lot of people misunderstood that in that whole discussion as as General Flynn was going through that and that that was at the top of mind and everything. Uh, man, it, it just I I don't think they ought to reauthorize it. That's my opinion. I'm going to write my congressman and have already a couple of times uh, throughout the years as it's come up, uh, but uh, but it's just. It's just something, it's a tool that's not needed uh, in the way that it's being used, and it's obviously corrupted, as you just said. You know, uh, the, So, Kyle, you're a Catholic, you're a Christian, uh, uh, God bless you. What did you think, I'm going to tell you what I thought when I saw the reporting on the radical traditional Catholics, <laughs> but... As a Catholic, what did you think when you first started getting this info? I think it was the Richmond Field Office uh, is what the the name of the office that gets gets named. But uh, number one, what did you think? Uh, And then I got a couple more questions after that about it. But it's, I mean, all this stuff just blows me away as somebody that served as a senior leader uh, with authority in the United States government. Uh, And I I hear these things and I go, I can't believe this. this. This can't be real. But it is.
3: It is. Yeah, so I I saw exactly the problem that probably many people will see. And um, if we're going to argue about Baptists or Lutherans or Episcopals or Catholics, you're arguing, you know, who's hitting the center of the 10 ring? We're all still in the same ring here. We're all still in the same <laughs> um, There's a lot of semantics in there, but it's not something that's worth us getting into when the federal government is trying to pry into a church service, which should be First Amendment protected. And so I saw the same problem uh, that my colleague did, who brought it to my attention, who was not a Catholic, by the way, and said, if they can come for the Catholics— they can come for any of us and it was basically a prior yeah. to say that these are a fringe group in their estimation of Uh, Christianity, uh, of Catholicism, and they're going to be using it to justify cases and investigations into all radical traditional Baptists, radical traditional Lutherans, radical traditional Episcopals, if you can imagine such a thing. And so, you know, it's not a real thing to be a radical Catholic that I'm aware of. I've been in the Catholic Church for 41 years. Um, I've come and gone from it, uh, but I've never seen such a thing. And I've met people who would be, I guess, as radical as you can find, and uh, that is to say, they like Latin Mass and they like the old ways. It's just not a thing that that involves. Yeah, heart.
2: this this was. Uh, I've been following Jack Vesovic for some time. We're we're, we're kind of friends uh, and colleagues uh, over the years, and, and he's Catholic. That's matter of fact. That's where I learned a lot of things from him. But and I, that's where I learned about the Latin Mass. Uh, is that what they were defining uh, the tradition radical, traditional Catholics are people that go to that like Latin Mass. Is that it? Yes.
3: There was a church conference uh, for the Catholic Church in the in the 1960s called Vatican II, yeah. and that allowed the mass to be said in the vernacular in English or wherever else you live. And so yeah. when that happened, many people still prefer the traditional mass. It was good enough for the guys that uh, you know went and conquered Europe and in uh, World War II. It was good enough for all of our our great veterans that did all these things. So you know many people didn't want to part with that, and so there was a little bit of a schism in the church as far as like uh, what is the proper way to do this thing. Mm-hmm. What. The FBI argued was, is that people who like those traditional masses have common cause with white supremacists because they agree on the following topics. Gay rights, um, abortion and the lack thereof or the the, uh, lack of interest in it, and um, that we should have a legal immigration system at the border. And and that apparently makes you a white supremacist, which I would say those are pretty mainline conservative, not even just Christian positions.
2: Well, in my opinion, those are American positions, you know, people that love the country, uh, that believe in the laws of the country. Uh, that's the, that's pretty American traditions, the right to life, uh, liberty, the pursuit of happiness, uh, execute the laws faithfully. I mean, I mean, they're not even conservative, in my opinion. Uh, but, uh, uh, well, I don't know if I tweeted it out that day, but I certainly thought it, I was like, when I read that, I was like, I'm a Catholic, because if, if they're going to come for those that group of people that I'm a Catholic too, come, come for me, uh, that's right. you know, and uh, that's the way we should all be. And, and I think that's what you're seeing in the, Nad, the Nadler clip. I can't believe that I'm saying I agree with Jerry Nadler either, uh, but uh, uh, they're starting to come back to. I think folks are starting to come back to see the truth, and the truth is, is that uh, we Americans have so much more in common. Then uh, we don't. And we need to work closely together to make sure that we're uh, supporting that and defending that instead of fighting with each other with these divisive tactics that are being used on us. Well, Kyle, how do people find you? Uh, And uh, thank you again for coming on the show today. I really appreciate it. Uh, We've all learned a lot here.
3: Well, it's been my pleasure. Uh, They can find me on Twitter and they can find me on Truth Social. Those are kind of the two social media platforms I do. Uh, it's at Kyle Seraphin, S-E-R-A-P-H-I-N, just my name, and uh, and if folks want to check out our podcast, they can download those in either.